This week's podcast is brought to you by CBF Peer Learning Groups. Peer Learning Groups encourage ministers to take their well-being seriously. Ongoing learning is crucial to a healthy minister and a healthy ministry. These peer learning groups offer safe spaces for ministers to gather regularly for the purpose of learning while offering support for challenges that arise in ministry. We can help you find or start a peer learning group and offer you resources for your group to succeed. Visit cbf.net backslash plg or email plg at cbf.net for more information. Ministry can often be a lonely and challenging place, so don't do it alone. Join a peer learning group or start one today. This is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Church Starts Conversation. We are bringing you stories from across the fellowship and interviews of people doing groundbreaking work of partnering together and renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and innovation from church starters, pastors, and practitioners. This is Andy Hale. Our episode will feature Bo Prosser, CBS coordinator for organizational relationships. Bo is a dear friend and great mentor. Before we get to our conversation with Bo, I want to remind you about General Assembly coming up quickly next month, June 28th through the 30th in Atlanta, Georgia. More specifically, I want to remind our church starters, or those interested in the process of church starting, that we'll be hosting a dinner on Thursday night at 5.30 at Meehan's Public House. If you're interested in joining us for the meal, you can email me at ahale at cbf.net. It is a free meal, so feel free to email me at ahale at cbf.net. also want to let you know that we are going to be hosting a workshop at 3 p.m. on Thursday of General Assembly. The workshop will feature those being commissioned by CBF this year on Friday night, as well as talk about the growing diversity coming through the Church Start Initiative. So that's Thursday at 3 o'clock for the workshop and 5.30 for the dinner. I'm sure for many of us, there's been different places in our life where we just feel like it's not all together, that there's just some sort of disconnect and you can't exactly put your finger on it. And it took me a while to realize, oh, I know exactly what it is. Bo Prosser has been missing from my life for six months because he went on sabbatical and didn't take me with him. Uh, so I demanded that he would sit down with me for 30 to 45 minutes to have a conversation this morning. So welcome, Bo. Thank you, Andy. Good to be back. Good. How was sabbatical? Sabbatical was awesome. Awesome. I had a great time of rest. I had a great time of uh, spiritual renewal and a little bit of professional development. So had a great, had a great study time. Six months seems like a long time, but when you're in the process of it, it probably goes by a whole lot faster than you want it to. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. And um, it went by very quickly. And I tried to savor every minute of it. And uh, the only thing missing was the beach. That was the only thing I didn't get to do. So, Well, hopefully you got a little bit of personal time with some grandbabies and and your better half. Um, In regards to the professional side of things, what was the primary focus of, of your sabbatical? My primary focus was to work on coaching. I uh, have done coach training through the last couple of years and really see that as the next chapter in my work. And so I wanted to get a professional certification and I got two different certifications and uh, working on a third one right now. So 
uh, I did the associate coaching degree or associate coaching certification from international coach certification, uh, which uh, involves um, hours of coaching, a mentor coaching, a written exam, and uh, got that certification, which will do me well with business and industry. And uh, then I got a health coaching certification through Take Shape for Life, which is uh, ministerial health. Well, it's a, it's a weight loss and healthy living uh, concentration. And I'm working with Exoteric, which is a national coaching firm and um, just finished my exam to work with, with Exoteric down the road. So um, did some really good study, really good concentration around coaching. Excellent. You you look great, by the way. You didn't just uh, get certified in you know health coaching, but you actually went through the rigors yourself. I did. I lost about forty pounds. Uh, still got a couple of pounds to go, but uh, I f- I feel like uh, if you're gonna go through the certification, you ought to practice what you're learning. And so we've moved. Gail and I moved more to healthy eating and trying to really pay attention to our bodies and uh, and our spirit. So mind, body, spirit, uh, holistic. Uh, spirituality and paying attention to who we are and what we're about. I see what you did there. You, you kind of dragged Gail down in the mud with you. Uh, we already know that, Hey, you know, Gail is perfectly healthy and looks great. And you had to act like she had to go in the process with you too. She, she does uh, look great and she is healthy and I needed a coach to help work with me. So she was my cheerleader uh, through the process. So, why coaching for, for such a, a tremendous concentration during your sabbatical? Well, I think that coaching uh, really gets at uh, who I am and who I have been through the years. I've done a lot of consulting work. I've done pastoral care and counseling work. Uh, and coaching is just basically the, the next extension of that and builds on all of the all of the skills that I've developed through the years. If you go see a counselor, a counselor will say, absolutely, I can help you deal with this stress. And uh, let's start back at the beginning and work forward. And there's something in your past that's affecting how you're working right now. And, and that's true. And I value pastoral care and counseling uh, a whole lot but I don't want to do it all day long, every day, the rest of my career. Uh, Consulting is uh, another way of approaching uh, this kind of professional development. You call a consultant, a consultant will say, absolutely, I will help you right here and right now. Tell me the problem that's bugging you and I'll give you some things to try and you can go be a better person and be a better leader or whatnot. And, and I've been doing consulting for a long time, and uh, the problem with consulting more often than not, or, or at least the challenge of consulting more often than not, is that I have to get on an airplane and go to the field to see you in your context and to try to understand exactly what it is that you're struggling with and uh, 
what skill sets might be needed for you to develop to, to lead beyond that. So counselor looks towards the past to find a solution to the present. Consultant looks at the present to find a solution to the present. The coach says, absolutely, I'll be happy to help you with this. You talk to me, I'll ask you some probing questions and we'll see what uh, bubbles up between us in our conversation. Uh, the coach can work from anywhere. You don't have to travel to the context. The coach uh, practices active listening to really hear what is being said and uh, then to, to uh, share back questions of a curiosity nature to lead the client to their own awakenings. The counselor and the consultant basically tell you what's going on and give you some prescriptions, if you will, on how to improve. The coach asks questions to lead you to your own awareness and awakening. And um, then you talk back and forth with the coach to check out to see if what I'm hearing is really what I'm hearing and what I really need to do about that. So as, as the client, I'm in charge of the conversation with a coach. And that feels a whole lot better to me. Um, I don't know your context. I don't know uh, necessarily uh, all the players in the opportunity or the struggle or the challenge, but I do know you and I can help you really dig deeper into yourself to find the answers that you're looking for. You know, for, for as long as I can remember, um, the denominations approach, whatever the denomination was, um, is we're the experts, here's the curriculum, here's the answers, here's the next program. Um, but CBF uh, made a conscious decision uh, to, to not be that, to be something different. Um, and you were a tremendous part of creating that culture um, from maybe not being a consultant, to use your words, to being a, a coach. What, what led CBF to make that decision? Well, I, I think that CBF values the autonomy of the local church. And CBF also values the autonomy of the minister to find his or her way along the pathway. Uh, we're, we're all pilgrims in this challenge, and none of us has all the answers by any means, especially in this culture where we find ourselves today. So uh, uh, we value each pastoral leader. And uh, it's not a consultant almost says, you don't know much and I know everything. Uh, and the coach says, I don't know everything. And I'm sure you don't know everything. Let's walk together a while and see what we discover. And it's that, uh, excitement of discovery. It's the energy of discovery that really, really has motivated CBF from the start. We, we have always been about empowering others to join with us, whether, whether that was another agency 
or whether those were individual leaders. And, and I think when, when we can say we value you, then you want to be a part of that. When somebody says, basically, you're a dummy and let me help you get out of that. Well, I'm not valuing you at that point. And, uh, the, the work that we do best is when we are partnering in, in partnership and sharing learning experiences with one another. Some of us, and maybe namely myself, still need that conversation every once in a while. If you're a dummy and let me tell you how to do this. <laughs> um, okay, so how, how is all uh, this, this concentration on coaching during sabbatical, how is that going to come into play for you here in the next couple of months and years? Uh, well, I hope I'll continue to do some work with church starters and uh, to be able to encourage church starters in the coaching process. Um, it, it's important, especially with folks in new work, to have somebody to walk with them at, and to encourage them and also to listen to them. Church starting is lonely. And uh, to have somebody that once a week or, or once a month, whatever the frequency might be, that that, that somebody is going to call me uh, and have conversation with me about me, that that is uh, encouraging and uplifting. And uh, I, again, I think it values that person in that position. So uh, church starting definitely is a part of my heart, and I love working with the church starters. Also, the Dawnings experience coaching is is integral to the Dawnings experience, and uh, as we develop other uh, folks who can help us in leading the training of Dawnings, uh, I would like to move in more into the coaching side of Dawnings, and I do some of that, but I want to do more of it. And uh, that's very exciting. Uh, our uh, Lily Grant helping pastors with uh, helping pastoral leaders with economic challenges. Uh, there's also a coaching component tied to that. And I hope to be a part of that experience. Uh, our fellows, uh, CBF fellows have a coaching component and then internal coaching within uh, the resource center with whomever might, uh, want to participate with me at that point. And uh, then uh, professional coaching outside of clergy, working with entrepreneurs in other areas, uh, that'll be an extension of my ministry as we go forward. So uh, coaching is very important to me, and I'm trying to drive it into uh, deeper into the CBF DNA because I think it's just so valuable. Well, if I was a mathematician, I would add up a lot of hours over six months, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say those all weren't on professional coaching training or coaching time. So what else did you learn during sabbatical and focus on? Well, I, I did learn the importance of coaching. Um, I, I uh, could not have navigated the whole certification process without a coach helping me uh, figure out what I thought about coaching and help me do some of that uh, out, loud, uh, out loud thinking like, like you and I've just done about the difference of coaching counselor and uh, 
consultant. I also learned uh, the value of paying attention to your body. Um, I was tired. I was tired mentally. I was tired spiritually. I just didn't have much capacity left. I, I did this sabbatical a year after I was supposed to have done it. And I worked really hard in the 25th anniversary fundraising process. And we did a lot of dawnings events during that last year. And I was, I was near burnout. Um, and uh, mentally, I just, I didn't want to think about anything. Uh, spiritually, I, I was having trouble just connecting my spirit with God's spirit. I really wanted to be a hermit. I, I really, I'm a people person, but I really had no capacity for caring the last couple of months. Um, and so I, and I gained weight. I didn't feel good about myself. And um, so paying attention to my body and my mind, um, just paying attention to my spirit. Uh, I was tired. And um, so going into sabbatical, I spent lots of time uh, just sitting quietly and listening. And I did work on my health. I, I spent a lot of time uh, not exactly fasting, but going through um, periodic times of prayer, just praying selfishly. Help me, help me, help me. And, um, you know, when you, when you have no discipline about what you eat or what you drink, and then you decide that you're going to have discipline about it, uh, that becomes a challenge. That, that was a spiritual challenge for me to see if I could uh, dedicate myself to getting healthier. And uh, with a good program and a good coach, I was able to do that. And so uh, uh, my body rested during that time. I did a lot of praying during that time and uh, concentrated prayer times. So uh, all, all of those were very important. And your body is telling you something if you'll just slow down long enough to listen. So you may need to sleep more, you may need to drink more water, or you, you may need to eat less, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, but I just wasn't paying attention to my body because I was so busy or, or I made myself so busy and, uh, you know, I'd go to the office and work a full day and then I'd come home and, uh, eat. And then I'd come back up into my home office and work three or four more hours and sleep about four hours and get up and go again. And, uh, you can run on that kind of energy in the short run, but sooner or later it catches up to you. So, uh, as I come back from sabbatical, trying to be more intentional about how I'm living day to day and how I'm taking care of myself day to day, um, that was a great that was a great gift and a really good lesson. I wish I had learned it better at your age uh, than having to wait till my age to learn it. But uh, it was a it was a good time, and and you know we get what we get probably when we need it most. And uh, I definitely needed it uh, when it came about. So very grateful for that. Well, we're only about 10 years apart. So, you know, not, not too much younger. <laughs> yeah, right. 
you know, but you, you talked about something and, and I've, I've said in, um, in, in sessions that you've led on, on burnout and taking care of self, you know, and, um, for many of our ministers, not just church starters, but church starters, yes, because they're bi-professional often and burning the candles at both ends. Um, but, but clergy in general, um, there's a high burnout rate. Um, you know, so what are some other aspects? What are some other warning signs uh, or things that you begin to notice? Uh, besides you talked about sleep and body and, and mind, what are some other warning signs to you that you were heading towards a place of burnout? Well, your caring capacity, uh, how much how much you're able to um, stay above the drama. So especially as a leader and as a pastoral leader, we have to care about people. That That's our job, to care about people. And um, if I'm not taking care of me, I'm not going to have much time or energy to give to anybody else. And um, from a church starting perspective, it, it is a 24-7 demand trying to get that new start up and going and build that core group. And um, oftentimes people come and join our church. We can't pick who comes and joins our church. And a lot of the people, some of the people anyway, who come to our church, uh, they are a uh, higher demand kind of people and we have to pay more attention to them and give them some energy. And uh, if I'm, if I'm not taking care of myself, when I see those people coming, I roll my eyes and go, Oh my goodness, not him again. Or I run and hide from her so that I won't have to have conversation. If you find yourself hiding in the closet to avoid people, that's a pretty good sign. You need to do something. Hmm. Um, If you uh, find yourself dreading another meeting with your core group, that's a pretty good sign that you're burned out. If you uh, don't want to go to another community uh, function or you don't want to visit the hospital or, you know, it's all you can do to get out of bed, those are warning signs that something's going on that you need to pay attention to. And uh, you may need a coach, but you may need a counselor or you may need a, a good checkup just to dis- to discover what's going on with you in those points. Uh, I've, I've found in my own life that, that I can deal with stress when it's about to here, but when it's up here uh, and for a long time, uh, stress wins and I break out into uh, an allergic reaction and my allergy, it's called depression. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself in a downward spiral and uh, then you really will have to have a professional uh, to help you dig out of that. So before you get into a depression, uh, take care of your body, take care of your mind and your spirit and um, do the things that, matter to you lots of times in my in my own ministry uh, I neglected my family for the church Um, I neglected my marriage at times for the church Um, even even while I've been at CBF the travel schedule has been horrendous at times and um, if Gail were not a patient wife and an understanding wife we would have we would have had some real struggles during this time um, so it's, it's learning balance 
and um, how much time do you need for yourself? How much time do you need for your family? And then how much time do you have to give to the other things that come at us? Uh, God first, family second, work third. And oftentimes it's been work first, work second, work third. And uh, when you find yourself reordering your priorities like that, it's time to stop and um, take stock of where you are and what's, what's happening. were some key signs that Prosser was getting tired and burnt out of talking to me. Um, most people in my life do. So we figured this would be a good place to pause to also talk to you about another one of our sponsors today, CBF Sabbatical Covenant. Sabbaticals are life-giving gift to congregations and ministers. Ministers who take sabbaticals are less likely to burn out and leave church or even ministry. Ministers who receive time away find rest and renewal while having the opportunity to explore ministries in ways not usually available to them. If you or your church needs assistance in planning for sabbatical, contact CBF through sabbatical at cbf.net. Now back to our conversation with Bo. I know you, you spent a good bit of, of your sabbatical also working on uh, leadership development. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, that, that ties back into coaching. And uh, as a leader, what, what challenges are before you? Um, for me as a leader, uh, I'm, I'm in a different sort of place as I come back from sabbatical uh, trying to find out what my ne- figure out what my next chapter is going to be. And so uh, a leader has to look at, first of all, their passion for leading and what is it that you're passionate about and how does that skill set play into uh, the needs that are around you? Uh, I think also the, the leader has to have a vision and oftentimes when churches fail, when church starts fail, especially, I think it's because the vision has been lacking. Uh, you have to have more vision than we want to start a church. What exactly does that mean and how does that play out? Um, and I, I don't think church starters oftentimes really think through the vision of what they want and how they want to do it. So a personal mission statement and then that corporate vision of, of what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And where's God in the process of that? Um, and then third, what do the people around me need? They, they need things from me, but they're, but they also need things from one another. And how do I facilitate that? Um, as the, as the pastoral leader, it's not my job to meet every need. It's my job to see that every need is met, and there's a big difference. And, and as your core group is forming, uh, we, we come together, hopefully hand in glove with one another so that we fit together, and I can use the gifts and abilities that you bring to help nurture the flock as well as uh, the gifts and abilities that I bring. So uh, part of part of my job as the leader is to call out other leaders and to say, I, Andy, I've seen you really good at this and such. I, I need you to walk with me a little closer in our church and, and let me call on you when I need those kinds of gifts and abilities. And uh, when, 
in the, in the church start, especially, it's not uncommon for everyone to look to the pastoral leader to make the decisions. But if I'm having to make every decision, if I'm having to be the end all be all to everybody, then I'm not doing my job as the leader, nurturing and developing uh, the gifts and abilities that are within you and within the rest of the folk. So uh, I give myself away, but I also want to, to nurture you and build your leadership. And, and one of the things that gives me the greatest uh, thrill about coaching and about leadership development is to see leaders uh, feel their own passion and grow into those leadership positions. That, that gives me a lot of energy and uh, lets me know uh, we're going in the right direction, whatever we're doing. So um, I had that happen in a church start that I was a part of in Raleigh, uh, in Charlotte. And um, it was a great time of calling people out to say, uh, wh what is it that you love about the church? And one of, one of my best stories is about a, a young adult leader who was a, or who is a corporate lawyer around patent and copyright issues. And he, he is one of the top five attorneys in that field in the nation. And uh, he said to me when we were doing our church start, I really miss my children being young. I loved my children when they were younger. And can I, can I help, work with the with the babies and toddlers when they start coming to our church and i said absolutely you can and um, it was it was really delightful to walk through the nursery on a sunday morning and see this top five legal expert uh, on his hands and knees crawling around with with toddlers it was just an amazing moment and one that i'll cherish uh, as part of those leaders that I've developed through the years. That that just uh, so rewarding and energizing for for us. Well, that last one I think really hits home with me, and, and I think it should too with our with our church starters, but maybe expand that to our, our listening base, to our, our pastors in general. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a theological shift back to um, Christ being the head of the church. Um, you know, we're in a day and age of pastors being figureheads, um, you know, the go-to people for everything. And right. it, it, it gives us the opportunity to empower laity, to uh, remind ourselves that we are not the head of the church, to uh, see ourselves as an integral part, but just one of many integral parts to the church. Um, but I, I don't know about you, but my, my ministry philosophy has always been um, that when I leave somewhere, I want the work to continue, um, almost as if I wasn't there, you know. Um, now I'm, there's been several places where they were ready for me to be gone and to forget that I was ever there. But, you know, that, that shift away from um, things falling apart because I'm not there day to day to manage it, um, I think that's a, a, a sign of poor leadership when when work can't continue, when people can't be empowered, when uh, when something falls apart. Now, certainly uh, there will be chapters of ministry initiatives that will end when you leave because they served a certain purpose at a certain time. Um, but I love that focus in of leadership that you're speaking about to 
to help identify and empower people to meet the needs because you can't be the person and should not be the person that meets all the needs of your people. Exactly. And the more I can empower others, the better I can then lead on my own and uh, focus on the things that I'm passionate about while you're focusing on the things that you're passionate about. And together we make a good team as we minister to those around us. And I don't want to be a manager. I want to be a leader. And I don't want to have to really get down in the weeds with what color might the carpet need to be or what color paint we put on the walls. I'm not an interior designer, and I don't really – I'm not going to spend my energy around those things unless I absolutely have to. Uh, But there there are people in my church who can do those things. And – I, I've been blessed through my years to, to have worked with people who were very gifted in their area of expertise, and they were willing to bring that into the church and learn the nuance of church leadership and then put that to work. So uh, that's been a real blessing. So while a lot of this uh, and building upon this would you know, take a a healthy hour long coaching call or more. What are some practical things that you can tell ministers uh, to help them make a shift, not to say they're figureheads, but to make a shift to uh, empowering other people to meet needs around them versus being the only person who helps meet the needs? Well, the first thing I I say is staff uh, or enlist to uh, my weaknesses So I don't need everybody in my leadership circle to be like me. I need people to to bring different gifts that help pick me up as the leader. So I'm I'm really not um, that interested in managing the finances of the church. So I I need to enlist someone who has the ability of financial management to come and walk alongside me and, um, be a supporter for me and be an encourager for me and, and then manage that segment. Uh, I'm also not a real good detail, minute detail person. So I've, I've always needed somebody around me who could help me manage the minutia that we certainly have to deal with along the way. So if we're, if we're having a meeting uh, are the name tags, made do we have somebody to bring the coffee are we are we uh, using powerpoint is the projector ready Uh, just thinking through those step one step two step three kind of base details i can do that and i have done that uh, but it really energizes me when somebody else is there taking care of that so that i can do whatever else i need to do so we we hire to our weaknesses not to our not to our strengths, and that's that's one of the main things. I think that oftentimes that gets us in trouble because uh, we just hire or we just put people around us who are like us, and then uh, we all sort of go in lockstep together. But we need some people. With, we need a variety of different leadership styles and different people with different gifts uh, to help make those make those events happen. So are you trying to say that pastors can sometimes be egocentric? Uh, no, I'm not trying to say that at all. (laughs) I said it. (laughs) You said that. Uh, What I'm saying is if, if 
um, I am egocentric, then I need to hire some people around me or enlist some people around me who are not and um, go from there. So uh, building a team where we're not all the same, I think that's important. I, I also think it's important that you uh, have a circle of advisors around you. I, I call that my circle of five. Uh, I have five, I've always had five people around me that were very close. They may or may not have been on my leadership team, but they were people that could give me feedback about how I was doing, about how the church was doing, about how the work was going. And uh, I, I have been forever grateful for those five people. And I identify them pretty quickly when I go into a setting. Uh, who are these five people and how can they help me? And um, what do I need to do to be better? And those five people always have always been good advisors for me. Uh, I also think um, peer learning is important to find a peer learning group. And CBF has 120 or so peer learning groups across our nation uh, where we uh, either go online with each other or sit in a room with each other and talk about the issues that we're struggling with, talk about the celebrations that we're having, the successes that we're having and celebrate them, um, that we uh, really find some people who are uh, in similar settings and similar situations and to learn from one another. Uh, we know from our work with the Lilly Endowment that peer learning is a critical component to pastoral success. And uh, so we want to, we want I want to encourage you if you're not in a peer learning group to find some folks that you could join together with and, and share in that way. And, and then I think coaching, I, I will forever be a fan of coaching uh, going forward and just the goodness. If you, if you don't have a coach, uh, Find, find a coach in your area or call me, email me uh, at CBF, and I'll be happy to talk further with you about that and uh, guide you to some coaches. Uh, Beth Kennett manages our coaching cohort through CBF and uh, places coaching in all those programs that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Eddie Hammett is my mentor coach, and he's been a a valuable resource, not only to me individually, but to so many of us uh, as he does training in coaching development. So uh, lots of good coaching resources out there. And I would say if you don't have a coach, uh, get one this week. Don't, don't wait. Uh, do something to enlist a coach to work with you. This might be a shameless plug too, but um, you know, for any church starters listening that's in the process with us or interested in the process, one of our largest investments in you as an individual is coaching. And we do have a stable of um, certified uh, church start coaches, and we'd be willing to invest that in you as well. Um, well, Bo, besides making up for six months of lost time with me, <laughs> what, uh, what's next? Um, I will continue in my role in some shape, form, or fashion with CBF for a little while longer, and I don't, I don't know what a little while longer means. Um, but it will, I will move more into the coaching role, and I will be doing more teaching, training, 
uh, events as we go forward. Uh, hopefully, I'll do some internal coaching with some of our younger leaders. And then uh, I'll continue to be active in Donnings, and I'll be, um, I'm the grant administrator for our Economic Challenges grant that we call the Ministerial Excellence Initiative. So um, all of those will give me more than enough to do, and then whatever else uh, comes up, uh, assignments that we don't even know about yet, but that we will discover as we continue this this journey. Thank you for taking time out to have a conversation with us. I've had a ball. Thanks again. Let's, let's do it again sometime. All right, before you close down the podcast app, you need to know about one more of our sponsors. The School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University exists to prepare men and women for Christian ministry, namely the work of the Lord's Church. Our two degrees, the Master of Divinity and Doctorate of Ministry, are carefully designed to equip and encourage ministers for the calling that God has placed on their lives. The Master of Divinity offers six concentrations, and the Doctorate of Ministry can be attained either in Christian ministries or pastoral care and counseling. Should God have called you to any number of ministry vocations, or if you aren't quite sure which one yet, you will find a place here at Gardner-Webb where, as one of our former deans once said, your heart and your head can be friends. The School of Divinity strives to provide a holistic education that stretches the mind, stirs the heart, and prepares the call for Christian ministry. Immerse yourself into the life of our community and visit gardner-webb.edu backslash divinity for more information. Special thanks to our three sponsors for today, CBF Sabbatical Covenant, CBF's Peer Learning Groups, and the School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University. Be sure to visit cbf.net backslash church starting for more information about the initiative, including our discernment cohorts, innovation group processes, coaching, internships, and stories from our church starters from across the fellowship. 